All right, this morning we continue our sermon series. We've been in for several weeks now on the Sermon on the Mount. We are in chapter 6, and our text this morning continues the thought that we started with back in verse 19, uh, which we talked about two weeks ago, and it's before Christmas, so I'm sure all of you remember it very well. Okay, but Jesus says we should not store up for ourselves treasures here, uh, because what happens to the treasures here? Yeah, stuff happens to them, right? Uh, Instead, we should store up for ourselves treasures in heaven, because what happens there? They're eternal. Yeah, they stay. And the final point of our text was, you cannot serve both God and money. And that leads us right into verse 25, where we continue this morning. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these." Are you not much more valuable than they? No, I already read that one. Here we go. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. All right, I don't often talk about how I feel that God is leading me, uh, because I think that language is overused. And I think too often we use that phrase, God's leading, uh, as an excuse to do something that we wanted to do anyway. Right? Uh, for instance, honey, I just had to go eat at Five Guys today. I felt God was leading me to that double bacon cheeseburger, right? God's leading. What was I supposed to do? Okay, but I will tell you this morning that I feel that God has been leading me to preach about fear. Okay, it's going to take me at least four weeks to do this, probably five. I haven't completely planned it out yet, but I think this is important, and I think this is something that we need to spend some time on. Okay, and there are several reasons for this mini-series. Okay, in the first place, one of the most common commands in all of Scripture is the command, do not be afraid. Uh, God commands us very often concerning idolatry and fear. Those are the two most common things God commands his people. So, if I want to be a follower of Jesus, if I want to be a mature Christian— Obviously, I can't worship things other than God, but also, I can't be a person driven by fear. Secondly, I've had some very disturbing conversations with many of you that let me know that we need to hear more from God about fear. A lot of us are walking around with way too much fear, and it's a misguided fear, and I think our fear often holds us back as a church. 
We're not able to do all the things that God would have us to do in faith because instead we are held back by our fear. And number three, uh, as I mentioned in my Christmas Eve sermon, if you were here for our candlelight service, uh, this is something that I am preaching much more to me than I am preaching to you. I don't know what your New Year's resolutions look like for 2020, but my biggest New Year's resolution that I'm making for the year is that I will fear less in 2020 than I did in 2019. Um, All of that to say that most of what I do in my sermons anyways is it's more like therapy for me, um, and y'all just get to to hear it. Um, But this is something that that I need to hear. This is something that I definitely need to benefit from because I want to be a person who walks in greater faith. I want to be less fearful I am a worrier, uh, but that's not what I want to be when I grow up. Fair enough? All right. Now, uh, let me start off by saying that some fear is good. Okay? God gives us a natural fear of lions and tigers and bears, right? Um, that shot of adrenaline that you get when something threatens your safety gives you greater speed and strength and stamina so that you can stay alive. Uh, we talk about that lizard part of the brain, um, that primal part of our brain, that fight and flight stuff. Uh, that is a gift from God. We need that. God created that. Some fear is good because it keeps us safe. Okay, where I grew up in Oklahoma, uh, tornado sirens inspired fear. Okay, but they were there for a reason, right? That fear was there to keep us safe. Okay, if you see a creepy clown in a sewer holding a balloon... Uh, fear should tell you, don't go there. Okay? Stay away. That's bad stuff. Uh, recently, my, wa- my wife and I watched that movie Midway. Uh, have any of you seen Midway? Okay, where the pilots are flying and stuff's exploding all around them, and then they're diving at Japanese carriers, and all, half of them died in the process. And uh, You should feel some fear in that kind of situation. Okay, that extra adrenaline, that's, that's appropriate. Okay? That, that's a good kind of fear. Similarly, if your wife says, we need to talk, you should feel that same level of fear, right? That, that's appropriate. Completely rational. Some fear is good. When Jesus says, do not worry, okay, or when the Bible says, do not be afraid, God is not talking about the fear survival instinct that protects us from physical harm. Right? God is not talking about that kind of stuff. He's talking about something different. Specifically, he says here in Matthew chapter 6, don't worry about food or clothing. He says the pagans run after that kind of stuff, and you, as followers of Jesus, should be better than that. And so, Jesus makes three very basic arguments in this section for why we shouldn't worry. And after I go through his three basic points, uh, I will tell you why I think this is one of the hardest passages in the entire Bible and why I think we have done a huge disservice to Jesus in the way that we lay this out. Okay? I promise I'm not really disagreeing with the words of Jesus, but we'll come back to that. All right, so three things Jesus says about worry and fear. And the first one is he says worry doesn't help. Notice verse 27. He says, Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Okay, some other translations say, Can anyone add any uh, inches to your height? Okay, because what he's saying is you can't make your life longer by worrying. Okay, uh, the other night, my oldest son was very upset and he cried out because he is scared of ghosts. He says, Dad, come in here. Come in here. I'm scared of ghosts. And my reply was, Well, if there's ghosts in there, I don't want to go in there, right? <laughs> I didn't say that. 
Okay, but I went in and I told him repeatedly, I said, there's nothing to be afraid of. And yet repeatedly he told me that he was scared of ghosts. And I told him if he persisted in yelling about his fear of ghosts, I would give him something to be afraid of. That wasn't helpful either. Okay, so uh, did it help my son in any way to be worried and anxious about ghosts? Was that helpful to his life at all? No, all it did was keep him awake and give him anxiety. That worry, that fear that he possessed did absolutely nothing for him. Now, let's imagine for a moment that the monster in his closet was real, okay, and that at some point our house is going to turn into a Stephen King novel, okay? For the sake of the argument, let's say that all of his worry was real and not imaginary. Would losing sleep over it help? No. Not even a little bit. Okay, that fear, that worry, not only does it not add anything to your life, but it actively hurts you. Okay, um, I was going to quote a medical statistic here, but you don't need one. You know that one of the biggest things that's wrong with us and our health as a people is the amount of stress that we carry with us. That worry that we continually carry, it doesn't help. It actively hurts you. Okay, I've spent a lot of my life worrying and fearing things. Most of them never happened, and it turned out I had nothing to worry about at all. Some of them did happen, and my worry was well-founded, but it still didn't help. Jesus says you can worry all you want to, but it will not extend your life. Okay, so his first piece of advice for how do we lower our fear, how do we lower our worry, he says realize it doesn't help anything. Okay, number two, have more faith. Uh, he says your heavenly Father knows what you need. The pagans run after all of these things. I know that I've told this story before, uh, but once when we were in graduate school in Abilene, the tires on Rachel's car went out, um, and we needed $200. And we were poor graduate students, and we didn't have $200. And we needed $200 right then. Now, uh, we could have called parents and gotten money that way. We could have put it on a credit card or something. It's not like we were going to be out on the street. But we didn't want to do those things. We really needed $200. Um, And that very weekend, I got a call from a buddy saying, hey, we need someone to go up 30 minutes north of here and preach at this little country church. Is that something you could do to fill in? I said, yep, that sounds great. Um, And so I went and did it having no idea what they would pay or if they would pay because you never know with churches, right? Um, But I got up there and they gave me a check that was within $2 of exactly the amount of money that we needed to get her car fixed. Okay? We needed it. God came through with it. He gave us exactly what we needed. All right. How many stories have you heard or experienced in your own life of God coming through right when you needed it? Hey, you needed a job and something came up. Or you prayed for a break and maybe it didn't even break the way you wanted it to. Maybe God didn't answer your prayer the way you thought he was going to, but he still answered it and he still took care of you. Right? How often in your life has God taken care of you? And what kind of faith should that inspire? God takes care of us. Jesus tells us here in the Sermon on the Mount that God knows what we need before we even ask of it. But what kind of faith do I have? The next time I need $200, what happens is I don't trust God to give it to me. I worry about it. He's always taken care of it before. He's always brought me along and given me everything I needed before. But now with this present crisis, I think, well, maybe this time it'll be different. And now I worry and I lose my faith. 
Jesus says, have more faith. If we had more faith, we would spend less time in worry and in fear. All right, number three. If you focus on Jesus, the rest will work itself out. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You know, most of our lives are dominated by distractions. Often our problem is not that we don't know what to do. It's just that we're overwhelmed with the myriad of choices around us. And so we fail to do the most important things that we should have known to do. You know, as my kids get older, I can see more and more that I don't want to be the parent that took their kid to every practice and recycle and, turn, and recital and tournament okay, and failed to bring them to church, Right? I don't want to help them with their homework, but never teach them about God. I don't want to give them a variety of social experiences, but neglect to get them ministry experiences. I know that if I can teach my kids to love Jesus, the rest of their lives is going to be okay, right? If I've got one job as a parent, it's teach my kids how to love Jesus. If I can teach them that, I will have succeeded as a parent, even if I didn't do as well on all the other stuff, Right? Keep the most important thing, the most important thing. Jesus says, if we will keep our focus on him, if we will put the kingdom first, then everything else will be given to us. We believe that? If we keep God first, then there's no reason to fear because we will have taken care of the one thing that actually matters. Okay? So, three pieces of advice that Jesus gives us in this passage on worry and fear. He says, worrying doesn't help. Have more faith and focus on Jesus. Is all of that good? Is all of that true? Do we believe all of these things, these three things? I got about 30% of you talking back at me saying yes. I'm going to need more than that. Do we believe this? Okay, thank you. Now let me tell you my problem with it. Okay? Let me tell you where I think this goes off the rails real fast for us. As followers of Jesus, okay? Um, I have the privilege often of having people come to me in my office and tell me things that are going on in their lives, and they don't ever come by just to say, hey, preacher, I just want to stop by and tell you everything's going great, right? If you call me and say, hey, I need to come by and talk to you, there's a problem, right? So I want you to imagine that you are coming by my office to talk to me about something that is going terribly wrong in your life that is causing you worry and anxiety and fear, all right? Maybe it's something significant to the level of, my spouse only has six months to live, and I don't know what to do without her. Or it's, hey, I'm losing my job, and I'm afraid I'm going to lose my house, and that's a very real possibility. Maybe it's something along the lines of, you know what, preacher, I can't pray like I used to, and I'm finding nothing in the Word of God that is helpful to me, and I feel like my soul is shriveling up and dying inside. All right, I want you to pick a very real fear. Pick something in your mind right now that is extremely significant to you, and imagine that you come to my office and share that fear with me as your preacher. Everybody got something? Okay. And then I hear what you're saying, and I say, okay, worry, fear, and anxiety, Matthew 6, I've got this. First thing I need to tell you as you're sitting across the, the couch from me is worrying doesn't help. So quit worrying about that thing. It's not going to help, so stop it. Is that helpful? Okay. Okay, that wasn't helpful. Let's move on to number two. You should just have more faith. If you had more faith, then you wouldn't be sitting here right now talking to me about this thing. Okay. Worrying doesn't help, and you just need to have more faith. Go with God. Is that helpful? Yeah, not very helpful, is it? 
Uh, what about number three? Maybe this one will be helpful to you, okay? As you're sharing your deepest fear with me, I tell you, well, just focus on Jesus. If you'll focus on Jesus, everything will take care of itself. Now let's pray together, and then you can get out of my office so I can get back to work. Is that helpful? Even without the last part, still not helpful, right? So if we believe that all of these things are good and true like we have said— then why would it not be helpful for me to tell you any of these three things? We're going to get into that in the next several weeks. You've got to come back to hear the full answer to that. Okay? I think what we have done all too often at church is that we've taken some very deep and very profound teachings of Jesus and we've applied them at an extremely shallow level to very real problems. Now, do not hear me wrong. Uh, I firmly believe in the things that Jesus says in this passage. Okay, and we're going to get deeper into them in the coming weeks and talk about how we can apply these to even our deepest fears. I firmly believe that God wants us to be a people of faith and that as our faith increases, our fears decrease. And over the next several weeks, like I say, it's going to be at least four weeks, we're going to deal with these fears on a deeper level and go to Scripture to look at how do we really deal with fear in a biblical way that's helpful. Okay? It's got to be more than a pat answer, in other words. Is that fair? All right. So in preparation for this series, um, I turned to the most trusted source in news. I went to Facebook, um, and I asked people to share with me their fears. Okay, my friends and family and people all over the country that I know that I've been separated from for various reasons, right? What are your fears? Okay, several people in this room answered that question. Uh, several of the people from the church I was at in Texas answered that. Lots of people sent me direct messages because they weren't going to put it on a Facebook thread where everyone else could see it. And those were the most vulnerable ones where people told me what they're really afraid of. Okay, and they clustered into several different categories. And we're going to deal with those over the next few weeks just so that y'all know where we're going with this series. Okay. First thing was the fear of losing things that are important to me, right? And this is beyond stuff like I'm afraid I'm going to lose the car that I love or something like that. Most of us are more mature than that. It's I'm afraid I'm going to lose my loved ones. I'm afraid I'm going to have to give up on all of my dreams. I'm afraid life isn't going to turn out the way that it was supposed to. I'm afraid that my life is going to be too hard, right? It's all sorts of things that I, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my community. I'm afraid I'm going to lose the things that are most important to me right? And it's a real fear because we've seen it happen to people around us or we've lost things that were extremely important to us. We fear that. Number next, uh, we fear the unknown, okay? And fear the unknown is, is a lot along the lines of, you know, we're a lot more afraid of a shark attack than we are a car crash, even though which one is way more likely to happen in our lives, okay? Um, it's an irrational fear, but our minds fear things that we can't wrap our minds around, Right, and we fear the unknown. This also includes fearing the unknown things like, I've put all my eggs in the Jesus basket. What if that's the wrong basket? What happens if I die? I don't really know what that looks like. I've never done that before. Right? There's a lot of things that are just unknowns in our lives that cause us extreme anxiety and fear. And we need to talk about that. All right? Number next. Uh, my own inadequacies. This one may the number one fear, the thing that came up the most. And part of what's about this fear is, I thought by the age that I'm at now, I would be more mature in my faith than I am, but I've still got lots of doubts, and I've still got lots of sin struggles, and I've still got lots of places where I need a whole lot of grace, and that's terrifying, 
right? And part of it is, I'm afraid that if the people around me knew the real me, they would never be able to accept me. I'm afraid that I've used so much of God's grace that there's no more available to me because you don't know what kind of a person I really am, right? We fear ourselves as much or more than we fear things out there, okay? We need to talk about that. All right, and the final thing um, so far is things that we fear at church, right? And this is one that I really want us to get into and we're going to spend some time on uh, because we fear a lot of stuff associated with church. We fear the church changing. Uh, We fear the church not changing. We fear reaching out and bringing in new people. Uh, Then we fear what happens if we do bring in those new people. Uh, We fear doing something wrong. What if we do something at church that God doesn't like? Uh, We have all sorts of fears associated with church, and I'm afraid that often the fears that we associate with church are the wrong fears. So we're going to talk about that as well. All right, now, part of the reason that I'm giving you a preview for coming attractions in the next several weeks um, is because I think this is a good series not only for you to attend, but this would be a good one to bring a friend to. I think all of us have people in our lives. We have uh, people who don't know the Lord, uh, who are dealing with some of these very real issues, and this would be a very appropriate sermon series to invite your non-believing friend to come and attend with you. Okay? I'm hoping some of you will do that and take advantage of that, and I hope that you'll think a little bit about this. Spend some time reflecting on what are the things that, that are fears in your life, right? What are the things that keep me awake at night? What are the places in my life that I would love to see my anxiety decrease, Okay, and I think that if we will prepare ourselves to hear from God's word about how we address some of these things, that would be extremely helpful. That makes sense? All right. So I don't really care what your New Year's resolution is, but I hope it will include fearing less and having more faith. Okay, I firmly believe that God wants us to live lives of confidence, and I believe that we can do that uh, if we will do it with him, and if we'll do it together. So that's where we're going. All right. At this time in our service, we are going to sing a few verses of an invitation song. During the singing of this song, I will be down front. One of our shepherds will be down front. This is a time in our service where we would love to talk with you or pray with you about whatever is going on in your life. Um, This is a time in our service where we just, as the church, want to be here for you. And before we sing that song, I'd like to close us with a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. Let's stand and sing.